Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to Kerr's Radio. Thank you to all of you who have chipped in and... Yeah, yeah good job, Missy. I'll do it again. Shut up. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Kerr's Radio, and thank you to all of you who have chipped in to help support the show. These contributions are the reason why we can keep doing this. Wait, you were supposed to say What? <laughs> you are listening to Kerr's Radio from K. Trapped in this body, this world trapped in my mind. I can't help him, but the Basically, what this is relaying is the No Child Left Behind Act. Wait, okay, let's not be so direct. Well, we can't be too vague. Okay, whatever. This act literally means no child should be left behind in education. Right. But why those kids with special needs are left behind in the first place? Good question. So, 
The poem or song makes me wonder in one word comes to mind. Beautiful. No. Human paradox. Human paradox. I'm Grace Kim. And I'm Danny Pearsall. Stay tuned. So let's start with a very basic question. All right. Paradox. What is the meaning of paradox? According to the dictionary, something absurd or contradictory. So like... I hate but love you. Contradicting. I know that I know nothing at all. Contradicting. American culture. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, next. When the media reports the information and the people say that's not true. That. The paradox. So we go back to 2008 in Little Haiti, Florida. Where exactly are we? Edison Senior High School. Okay, so here's a guy named Watson. He's a senior, by the way. He's walking down the hallway, holding his ACT score. Well, it's quite the usual day for him. Then, from the opposite side of the hall, here comes the assistant principal, Mr. Perez. Watson, what is in your hand? None of your business. That is pretty casual conversation. I don't see a big significant thing in this. Well, you don't say none of your business to teachers, do you? Well, to me, it is pretty casual. I personally can feel the great hatred coming from that conversation. But still, I don't see the significance. Okay, I'm going to tell you the significance of this scene. Oh yeah, what is it? Even though Watson gave a pretty rude answer and showed his hatred of this man... Okay, which I disagree. I think it's pretty casual. This was the only interaction that they had. Okay. So after this scene happened, Watson goes to his normal scheduled class, which is the computer lab class, and does his own stuff. Then something happens. Two security guards come into the room and grab Watson in each arm and try to handcuff him. Without telling him what he was charged for. Well, Watson, of course, tries to resist. And then suddenly, they smack his face against the computer. Oh my god. Yeah, and just like that, he's arrested. So what was his charge? Remember the previous scene? Is that a rhetorical question? Yes, of course. Later in the day, the media reported Watson was arrested for assaulting Mr. Perez. But truth is, he's innocent. Wait, hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah, I get it. This is an injustice action and etc. and all that, but I don't really see the word paradox in this story. The media is what? 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 What are you talking? What? What do you mean? What? What is the media's duty? Basically what we're doing right now to inform and communicate people about certain events and exactly what we're doing right now. Like, right now. Really? Is it what we're doing right yeah, now? Yeah, like right now. Right now. Well, the media's duty is to inform and communicate to people about certain events. But when the people say, that's not true. Ah, oh, paradox. You are listening to Curse Radio. Okay, so let's dissect this matter. Oh, dissection. I hate dissection. Are we in some kind of anonymous class or something? No, Miss Wooten's gun. But anyways. <laughs> <clears throat> Human paradox splits into two sides. What two sides? The good side and the bad side. Okay, that's a fallacy. What? You're making contradiction by saying that. You are a human paradox. What What are you talking about? Why is that contradicting? I mean, humans decide good and bad. 
But really, to different people, they have different perspectives of good and bad. Therefore, there isn't a set rule of good and bad because we are contradicting each other's perspectives. Okay, okay, okay. All right. I think you're going a little too far with this. Let's continue with this next story. Running through the dense forest, the darkness of night engulfed the earth. Norwegian resistance members ran to greet the well-known saboteurs. Joss, the head of the resistance, led this unknown brigade. Max Manus and I landed swiftly and unnoticeably. Once we were fully debriefed on what had been happening in Norway, we were prepared and ready for what lied ahead of us. Four years later, since that first eerie night in 1940, when Max and I paradropped into the forest, we have joined forces with the Norwegian resistance. I have successfully completed multiple sabotage operations, and the Nazis' plans have been unraveling. I have just recently met Edvard Talaksen, only a few months ago. He has been helping me to destroy important documents that the Nazis cannot get a hold of. On the last day of destroying the papers, we were almost caught. We ran through a door at the back of the office building. Since then, we have been quiet and out of sight. We stayed at Joss' house. He is a fellow resistance member. We had to hide in his back room, which was out of sight and hidden from the eye. We stayed there for three weeks. After we came out of hiding, we began to plan more sabotage missions. While we were planning, Joss came to us. He told us that he'd heard from a few Norwegian commoners that Edvard and I were not being sought out for anymore. Hearing that was music to my ears. We had been successful. The following Monday, November 13th, I was to meet with a man who betrayed the Third Reich. He was a Nazi. He had found Joss, and the man told him of plans the Nazis had been pursuing. Joss told me of this meeting, and I had to meet this traitor of the Third Reich. Edward came to meet this man. I never received his name, but we went to meet with a nameless man at the cafe at Grunerlaka in Oslo. While we were walking to the cafe, I knew today was going to be different. I felt it. Deep within myself, I could feel that something was different, off in a sort of way. I knew that today would be a good day. I had that gut feeling, but I wasn't going to let Edward know how I was feeling. We had been working together for quite some time now. We were two people to be reckoned with. To every Norwegian, we were the heroes, friends. To every Nazi inhabiting Norway, we were the ghosts. We were incatchable. We were the cockroaches that lived in the stewers. We were unstoppable. Walking up the seamlessly endless airs, my eyes attentively searched the cafe. I spotted a man. I wasn't sure if it was the man Edward and I were supposed to meet, but he was the only man wearing a coat sitting in front of the large front window. Edward turned to me. Is that him? I nodded still unsure of my answer. We set our backs to the window. The man we faced looked like any ordinary man. He had a worn look across his face, as if he'd been through a lot. Once we began our conversation, there was no turning back. We were taking a risk, and we were only counting on hope and God. I have heard that you have some information that I would like to know. 
Ah, yes. I know information about certain operations that may be occurring in the New Year future, said the man. Let's hear it, I said. But keep your voice low. For several minutes, this man told Edward and I everything we knew. Or so I thought. I began to get that feeling again in the pit of my stomach. My hands began to sweat. The beads of sweat trickled down my arms. Something was not quite right. I slightly nudged Edward in the side of the ribs. The man didn't notice. He was solely concentrating on Edward. There were two men standing near the front door of the cafe who I hadn't noticed before. They were both staring towards our table. I slid my hand to the pocket in the coat I was wearing. I had a small gun there, just in case. With my hand on the gun, I prodded Edward again. As I was about to tell Edward about my suspicion, a shot rang out. I didn't see where it came from until I turned my head. It came from one of the two men standing by the door. I could hear my heart racing, pumping, throbbing, all at the same time. As I looked down towards my heart, I saw my hands. They were dark red. My hands looked as if they had been soaked in cranberry sauce. I fell back, smashing the window. I stared wide-eyed at Edward. He had a confused look on his face for a moment, but within milliseconds grabbed his gun from his coat pocket and fired. Every person in the cafe hit as fast as they could. The two men in the front of the cafe now blocked the entrance. I was laying sprawled across the pavement. Blood continuously seeped into the street. I could still hear Edward. He was yelling. I'm not sure what he was saying. It may have been my name. What was my name? My thoughts were becoming jumbled. I could not think straight. In the next few moments, I heard muffled cries and voices. The light from outside was fading. Eyes rolled to the back of my head. It was over. Death had conquered. Now, why do you think this keeps happening to us? Why are we a walking contradiction? As the dominating species on the planet, humans make the rules. So why do we break them? We keep digging our own graves, and we aren't learning from our mistakes. So do you think we could be our own downfall? You are listening to Curse Radio. Radio.